Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, Leslie and Joe both checked out Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party for the first time at Disney World, so we're here with our impressions and our tips to help you if you're planning on visiting the party. Find old episodes of the podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. Special shout-out and thank you to ngomez97 and T. Dillon for leaving recent reviews. Connect with us anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at WDWDeciphered on Twitter, or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered, and a early happy Halloween to everyone. We are back from our trip to Walt Disney World, overlapping trips where we got to hang out for a day together. Those of you who are our patrons um, heard our trip reports or the trip check-ins that we did together. Do you want to give a quick shout out and thank you to Ashley C for making a one-time donation? Thank you so much for your support. If you're interested in supporting the podcast or if we've helped you to plan your trips, you can check us out and support us regularly at patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered. And you can also see from there, um, how to make a one-time donation. So thank you so much, Ashley C. We really appreciate it. So Leslie, it's almost Halloween. So this episode's probably a little bit late, but we finally got to check out the Halloween party at Disney World. So we want to check in about it, give some tips and give our impressions. Let's uh, kick things off. what do you think of the Halloween party at Disney World? I was generally very impressed and I went to the party maybe three weeks after having just attended the brand new Oogie Boogie Bash at Disneyland. So it was really cool to see the comparisons between the two coasts and how they do the the Halloween holiday differently. But generally, my impression was very favorable with perhaps the caveat of crowds, which I know we'll dive into. What was your take, Joe? Yeah, I was um pretty excited as well. You know, my first time we, uh, for those of you who don't know, we actually went on separate days, but if I'm not mistaken, both of our Halloween parties were sold out. Um, But I had a great time. Obviously, I wish my kids had been there. And I was thinking to myself with the crowds, it would have been tougher with the kids, but I do think they would have had a great time and enjoyed it greatly. So got a ton of candy for them, some for myself, but mostly for them. If they had been there, they could have gotten a years long supply of candy, tested out the allergy bags, got allergy-friendly candy for my youngest daughter, employed a lot of the tips that Karen Locke shared with us. She's, you know, much more of a Halloween party expert than we are, um, but shared all with us all the way back in episode uh, 27. Overall, had a great time. So I'll talk about my kind of, um, I don't know if it's a screw-up, but a little bit of a mistake at the beginning. Uh, I didn't get there till six. I wanted to get there at four, which is when you're allowed to go in. Due to circumstances, I didn't get to the park until six. However, I walked all the way down Main Street and then I saw all the Halloween party people coming down an extra alley of Main Street that kind of runs down the right side of Main Street if you're facing the castle. And they had all picked up their candy bags, but I had missed it and I couldn't get back in there because I would have had to start all the way at the beginning of Main Street. I think you went through that passage and got your bag at the beginning. Is that correct? I did. And I'm surprised that you were able to go the way that you did because they really were directing us and kind of blocking us off. Everybody who had entered through the party entrance, we really were given no choice to go down Main Street because I kind of wanted to see what the, you know, what the decor looked like at that hour. And because that was my first time in Magic Kingdom, I think. No, I'd been in with you already. But anyway, I wanted to see what if it looked different for the party. But uh yeah, I was shuttled on that, that little passageway and there were some photo ops there and they did give like some specialty candy. I finally like cracked it open to see what it was that it was like new stuff that Mars and Wrigley, I guess is coming out with like white chocolate Twix. So oh, that was cool. That. 
that was cool. But yeah, we got yeah. our bag and then like a little sampler pack of candy. And then there were just a couple of places for like photo ops and things like that. For me, I thought it was more about like crowd management than anything, like than anything particularly special. Yeah, that probably is, is what it was. Let's talk a little bit about the decor because that's the first thing that stood out to me. That was your second time in Magic Kingdom, but that was my first time walking to the Magic Kingdom. And I just totally loved the entire just way they decorated Main Street, really all of Magic Kingdom. You know, there's pumpkins on the lampposts. There's, you know, all the fall colors, uh, fall foliage, obviously fake. The train station looked beautiful. I was really impressed by the overall decor. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was beautiful, but it wasn't anything. As someone who goes to Disneyland for Halloween time, like almost every year, it didn't strike me as anything that different. I guess this, again, I'm going to draw a few comparisons to Oogie Boogie Bash <laughs> in Disneyland. It seemed conventional to me. And having just been at this like weird villains party at Disneyland with like a lot of creepier stuff, like I was kind of looking for a little bit of that, like a little of the weirder stuff in the decor sprinkled in. And I just didn't see that. But yeah, I mean, in terms of like the fall colors and the Mickey pumpkin heads, it's, it's quite beautiful, but it was something I guess I, I have seen before personally. And then in terms of the overall kind of feel of the party, uh, here's a question for you, Dapper Dan lovers. Did you get to see the cadaver dance? Cause I did not actually get, actually I did physically see them in person, but not all together. Um, but they were pumping their music through the park at various times. So did you get to see the cadaver dance? No, that was my biggest regret of the party was that I didn't make my way back to main street to see them. It's hard because of the crowd levels. Like I was trying to do things deeper into the park and I was like, Oh, how'd I get back there once the parades are starting and the people are lining up for fireworks and things like that. And uh, just couldn't make it happen. And, and I love them and they were not part of the Disneyland party this year. So big bummer. Yeah. And I saw a post, I think it was on Disney tourist blog, Tom Bricker's blog, which uh, we've referenced here multiple times. And he was saying that the issue with the party is not the number of people they let in, but the fact that when the party is sold out, the majority of people are kind of all going to the same spaces, right? Like everyone's going to see the booty parade. Everyone's going to see the not so scary Halloween spectacular, the fireworks, and everyone's going to see the hocus pocus villain spectacular. So, you know, I think the issue is there are parts of the park that are like pretty dead, but when you go to like any of the special things, it's going to feel super crowded. And I definitely was feeling that. Yeah, most definitely. And I felt that at the hub as well. I mean, that's, it, you know, the hub feels that much more crowded when it's full. Like it, it, it was a little bit scary to me. I mean, I, the thing that I kept thinking was, thank goodness I don't have a stroller because I would not be able to move. Yeah, I thought the exact same thing. I showed up to the Hocus Pocus Villain Spectacular, the show that's in front of the castle. I showed up pretty late, like maybe five, 10 minutes before it started and had no problem finding a space. But, you know, I was thinking, and I probably could have squeezed into a space with like one stroller and one kid, even at that time. Um, and I went to see the second show. There's three showings on the night. One's at midnight, which I assume is pretty low in terms of crowds. Probably could have squeezed in with one stroller, but yeah, once you're there, you're just kind of stuck. So um, you know, if you have a kid freaking out, like there was a kid who freaked out during the fireworks show. Um, and so, you know, their dad had to take them out. And that was like, you know, pretty difficult to do given the crowd. So that's something to bear in mind. 
Most definitely. Well, let's let's go really quickly, like sort of the pathway that we each took so we can tell folks what worked and what didn't. I entered the park. I actually entered the park a little bit before you did. I think I was about 5.35, by the time I entered. Then went to eat dinner at Cosmic Rays. I figured I needed something in my stomach before <laughs> I uh, attempted to like eat Halloween candy later in the night and realized nobody at Disney World is using mobile ordering. Like that blows my mind. Blows my mind. Yeah, Pecos feels the same way. Yeah, because I mean, I I, got, I walked into Cosmic Rays. I saw a line of ten people deep. I went on my phone. I mobile ordered in like a minute and a half, and I jumped the line of all of those people. So do mobile ordering people. And like, I wasn't sure when I walked in whether it was available during the party, but it's definitely available during the party. One kind of finicky thing was for some of the restaurants, it was a little confusing because it would say it closed at six. But if you scroll down a little bit, it would say um, special event from six to 12 or whatever. So it was a little confusing to see what was open. But yeah, mobile ordering was working for everything that was open. That's right. Then we realized and I you know, did not do as much planning for this trip as I usually do. Um, <laughs> but we realized that a lot of the characters have meet and greets that start during those overlapping hours and they, they start before seven o'clock when the party officially starts. So I was with a group and we thought, Hey, let's get in line for one of those characters and maybe we can, you know, salvage some of our party hours. And we went to get in line for seven dwarfs in storybook circus. And we're told the line was two hours long. So we abandoned ship on that and instead got in line for Winnie the Pooh um, and all of his pals right in front of the ride there. We were told the, the line was, an hour and 15, but it turned out to be more like 50 minutes, which is a really long time to wait for a character, but I did it. So what about you? How'd you start your party? <laughs> if you think you are disorganized, you should have seen me. I walked in there and I realized, you know, one of Karen's pieces of advice was to study the map beforehand. And so I did study the map when I got in, but I was just like completely lost. Didn't know what to do. Didn't know if I wanted to ride or if I wanted to wait for a character or if I wanted to get candy. Although I, I had planned mostly to get candy at the end. So I'd say for like the party hadn't officially started yet, but between six and seven, I just kind of mostly wandered around aimlessly and took it all in. Since I haven't been to a Disney Halloween event before, um, I was just kind of soaking in uh, the atmosphere. And I mean, I didn't mind because I don't know, I guess my mind had gone off of forced March of happiness mode at that point. Embarrassing to admit, but that's what happened. And so, you know, I just kind of wandered around aimlessly and eventually started riding rides, checking out characters and getting candy and stuff like that. But really, I was just aimlessly wandering. Like I went from Tomorrowland all the way to Frontierland and then over to Fantasyland. And I don't think I did anything during that time. I just walked around. Luckily, I was with two people who had been to a Halloween party before. So they at least had some thoughts as to what was worthwhile to do. And we just kind of wanted to hit some of the rides that we thought were seasonally appropriate, like Haunted Mansion and Pirates. And uh, we started with, I don't even remember what we started with. We started with Pirates, I think. <laughs> it's all a blur. And uh, again, you know, had shorter wait times than the uh, signs would have indicated. Haunted Mansion was really cool because there's some live actors that they have sort of on the lawn ad-libbing and, and, you know, interacting with guests, sort of like the immersive treat trails at Oogie Boogie Bash, but not quite as in-depth. And that was really fun just to listen to them. Um, super talented uh, actors, of course, doing the job. But yeah, I didn't have as much of a plan as I would have liked and ended up sort of accidentally, I would say, doing rides more than anything. And I did trick-or-treating like you did at the very end. But yeah, I sort of ended up using the time to ride a few of the attractions that I was maybe otherwise not going to get to ride this trip. We should talk about uh, 
So we started a Facebook group for um, supporters of the podcast only. And in that Facebook group, Jamie said something interesting, which was that Haunted Mansion does not have Halloween overlays. They have the actors in the queue, but they don't have a special Halloween overlay because Disney World is such a once in a lifetime or at least once a, in a rare amount of time place that guests were kind of complaining they didn't see Haunted Mansion as it like, quote unquote, normally is. Um, and they wanted to see the regular Haunted Mansion. And I know, Leslie, you had some t- thoughts about that. So, you know, I think on a Disney Deciphered Unfiltered, we're going to talk one day about why Disneyland and Disney World are catering to different clientele and why it's so different. So Haunted Mansion is the same, but there are some rides that have overlays. So what are the four rides that are different during the Halloween party? So Pirates, which has live actors in it, and Space Mountain, which is totally blacked out. And then the Teacups, which I didn't do, but you can tell what I, I you you watch them. What, what's different about those? Green colors instead of the normal colors, like more green and orange colors, and the music is different. So, um, you know, it's cute. It, it'd be fun for kids. Like if my kids were there, I totally would have ridden it. But I felt like I got adequate enough amount of experience watching out from the outside for ten minutes um, as I was uh, examining the Mad Hatter and uh, Alice and all the other characters who are meeting in, in front of the teacups. Right. And then the last one, of course, is Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor, which you did, right? I did. Let's uh, put a pin in that one and come back to it because so many people have been talking to us about going to Mount Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. So um, I will talk about our Halloween experience there in a second. But I did want to talk about Space Mountain. For some reason, in order to turn off all the lights in Space Mountain, they have to turn on all the lights in Space Mountain because I rode the People Mover around 7 to 7.30 and they had not open Space Mountain's Halloween overlay yet. And I had one of the coolest experiences ever. I went through Space Mountain and all the lights were on. So I could see everything that was going on in there. Awesome to see it with all its lights on. What was it like riding it with all the lights off? It was really fun riding with all the lights off. You, I mean, you can always still see a little bit. There's a little bit of ambient light. I mean, I, and I've ridden like every ride overlay that has ever existed for Space Mountain, like Ghost Galaxy, Hyperspace Mountain, like all of the different versions that have existed, at least in the U.S. parks I have been on. And uh, this was fun. Was the music different? Because in the description it said, um, you know, it was going to be psychedelic music or something like that. You know, I didn't even notice the music at all. Like, I have no memory of it whatsoever. That was probably because, you know, I was going on like three hours sleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it was it was a good good ride. And, and that was the line that was the longest, I would say, at least or the most accurate in terms of what the posted wait time was. And it may have just been a, f- a function of when I did it in the night. Like, I did it closer to the middle of the party, whereas the ride lines at the beginning of the party, I thought were shorter. So that's just something to think about. And I missed it because I was going to try to ride it at like 1115, but it still said it was like a 70 minute wait. And I physically saw the line outside. And I wasn't sure if that was like a planned thing, but you know, I couldn't tell, um, you know, how long it was inside. So I decided to bail. Uh, I was pretty tired too. And it was pretty late and I had eaten a lot of candy. So I was worried I was going to get sick. So once again, I'm weak sauce. Apologize to all the listeners out there who expect more of me. I should expect more of myself. Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor. I think it's a good um, illustration of how the trick-or-treating works. So you kind of wait in line. At the end of the line, there is a just candy bucket where they're dumping candy into your bag. If you have one of the um, special allergy bags, they'll give you a chip for the allergy bag. And so you can get those at any of the candy drop-off sections. 
And then you walk into Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor, and the majority of people would shuffle through Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor. But if you wanted to, you could take a seat and just rest in Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor for a little bit. And they did like a short five minute show. Um, so I got a feel for what Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor is like. And then at the end, you line up again and get more candy. Did you go through that candy queue? No, I missed that one because it was the day after we did Monsters, Inc. Laugh for for real, which will be the subject of another episode in the future, I'm sure. Perhaps not a full episode, please. (laughs) It will come up, yes. It will. But no, I just didn't have time. Again, this is like sort of the feature of these Halloween parties is you've got to pick your poison because... There is no way to do it all. And even though I was focused, I I pretty much abandoned any character meet and greets other than the one. And I really didn't do much trick or treating. I still didn't have time to do that many rides and that many other things that were happening at the party. That's a perfect tip. Don't expect to be able to do everything. Prioritize what you want to do and get the things that you really want to do done. Um, So if you really want to see a certain character, then you're going to have to give up other things to go um, see that. And you know, just make sure you prioritize whatever your priorities are in the party. Because even if you're there for a good five hours, uh, you still can't do everything. If you really want to ride rides, I do suggest getting in at four o'clock. That way you can ride rides before the special party stuff starts. Yeah. Excellent tip. So let's talk a little bit. We haven't really gone in great detail about the parade and the fireworks and then the Hocus Pocus villain spelltacular. But um, I did all three back to back in the middle to end of the party. And there's kind of like a pathway to do that. If you start with the fireworks at 1015, then you go to the Hocus Pocus at 1045, and then you do the second showing of the Halloween parade, the Booty You Parade at 1115. And you kind of just camp yourself out in the hub and get a spot and kind of, sh- I-, I shuffled around quite a bit. So I didn't get a great spot to view the fireworks. I missed some of the projections on the castle. So if that really matters to you, you kind of got to make sure you're you can see all of the castle and not just the top of it where, where you'll see the fireworks. That worked well from a timing and efficiency standpoint. But again, like, yeah, I was in huge crowds in the hub trying to move around people. And it was really a crunch, I thought, between Hocus Pocus and then Boo to You. There seriously was under five minutes between those shows, the way they sort of, you know, cordoned people off there. So you have to have a spot that you're happy with for both of those. Cause I tried to move after Hocus Pocus to then get a, a better view of the parade. I was trying to get further into Frontierland so that I could see the parade faster and then have more time at the back end of the party. And that, that failed miserably because they shunted me around. They wouldn't let me go, go through that entrance. Yeah, so my tips, I actually watched the 845 Hocus Pocus, the 915 Booty You, and then, of course, the fireworks were at 1015. And I actually watched them in three different places. I shuffled into the Hocus Pocus around 830, 835, and I was right at the front of the hub, like between the Walt statue and the castle, really pretty close towards the front. As a single solo person, I was able to do that and get within the tape lines and not really push anyone out. After that, however, I decided I didn't want to watch the parade from that section. So I went to my old standby for parades, which is Sleepy Hollow, um, right by that bridge going into Liberty Square. And it was great for the Boodoo Parade. Instead of staying at Sleepy Hollow, I cut around the back and hung out by Hall of Presidents. Um, there's also the Disney ticket office, which is, I guess it's an office for annual pass, but it was a allergy candy pickup station. I hung out there for the parade and I had a great view of the parade. The parade lines get pretty deep or the viewing sections get pretty deep. 
if you just kind of give up the idea of taking pictures, you can get maybe one or two pictures of the parade, but you know, you're not going to get pictures of your kids in the parade anyway. So it's not like a huge deal unless you're like a blogger or something. And even I'm a blogger, but I was like, I don't need them. I can, you know, use Disney stock pictures if I need them. If that's the case, then that area is a great place to watch the parade. It comes from Frontierland and the crowds are not huge there. They're like three or four people deep. So you can't get great pictures, but you can get a great view of the parade. And there's some steps that you can stand on to get a little bit of an elevated view. And then finally, for the not so spooky spectacular, the fireworks, I actually cut over by Crystal Palace and watched from the end of Main Street, like at the very back of the hub, I had a great view from there. And so I was happy with that. It wasn't like super close up, but I could see everything that was on the castle. So that would be my tips for seeing those uh, three shows. Great tips. Well, uh, I, unlike you, shut the party down. I, (laughs) as soon as I finished the last Booty You Parade, I made a mad dash into Fantasyland, hit some treat trails, and there really was only like 12 minutes left in the party and did two treat trails because I had to bring candy home from the kids and then realized that I had just enough time to get in line for one more ride. And so at 11.59 and 30 seconds, I got in line for Peter Pan, which was totally worth it. Glad I got a chance to do that, which turned out to be a secret treat trail. They like had somebody giving out candy in the queue there. So got more candy. Then just slowly made my way outside of the park and realized that there were tons of photo pass photographers still operating. And this I did not realize would be the case. There were a lot of them still on Main Street and then even more of them in front of the Walt Disney World Railway um, where there's some projections on the ground that are really cool. And so I got a bunch of magic shots taken, which I'm sure you can see, Joe, because we're linked in my Disney experience. And that ended up sort of making the party last even longer for me. Um, ended up taking enough photos that I don't think I left the park until one o'clock, which, you know, I'm crazy like that. I'm not weak like you, Joe. You're not weak like me. That's for sure. Uh, that's a great tip. And, you know, I randomly ran into PhotoPass photographers who did not have lines like all night. And so, you know, I took a picture in front of the castle, also a magic shot. At the end of the night, you know, you definitely had a very kind of target rich environment for PhotoPass photographers without lines. But as you're wandering around, just keep an eye out. If you see someone with those like light brown vests and they're just standing around, that means they're ready to take pictures. It's kind of one of those weird phenomena where People will line up when they see a line. If the PhotoPass photographer is there, that means they're ready to take pictures. So get yourself at the front of the line. You start the line. Just one more random thing to note, especially if you have young kids, there are dance parties set up throughout the Halloween party. There's one out in Tomorrowland. There's one in Cosmic Rays. There's one at Pete's Silly Sideshow. Uh, some of them are the Descendants. One's Vampirina. You know, a bunch of Disney Junior dance parties. Anyway, I think the kids really love stuff like that, especially younger kids. So make sure you check that out. So, so all in, what do you think value-wise? Would you do this again with kids? Was this something that you thought was ultimately worth the cost? Yeah, I mean, I would 100% do this again with kids. Uh, you know, the cost was about $100, I think maybe 109 after tax. Um, and I bought the ticket online beforehand, which is one of Karen's tips from episode 27, which I totally agree with. I don't think the party sold out until the night that I went, you know, I bought it the Sunday before and it was no problem. So at a hundred percent go, I will have to confess that that's a bit of confirmation bias because I've wanted to take my kids for a while. It would have had to been pretty spectacularly awful for me not to say that I want to go back with my kids, but I think we'd have a good time. Aladdin, Apu, and the genie were all doing meet and greet. So my daughter would be super into that. I would have really loved to meet Jafar and some of the villains. Um, So, you know, I think 
100%. I definitely want to take my kids, hopefully as soon as next year. What about you, Leslie? Yeah, if we ever find ourselves in Disney World in, in the fall, I would do it with my kids as well, especially now that we're about to graduate away from the stroller. I, I think I would have hesitation with the party being from 7 to midnight with younger kids who just can't stay up that late. I mean, that's always the the problem with these parties. And this is even an hour later than the party at Disneyland, which my son did not make it all the way through. So, um, you know, that's just something to think about in terms of value for the kids like in the, you know, toddler preschooler young elementary age. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually specifically thought about my son who would be five um, if I were to take him next year. And I was thinking to myself that if we're going to the party, we probably won't do a park day. So we are, have one less day on our ticket, which is really only saving up 20 or $30. But still, we pay for the party ticket. If I was going with my kids, I would get into the park at four so that we could ride some rides. If we were there from four till about 10, 30, 11, which I think my five-year-old son next year would be able to do since my five-year-old daughter can do that. Um, in fact, he can probably stay up till 10, 30 right now if he had to. I would feel like I got good value out of it. Like I wouldn't need to close down the park with my kids at midnight to feel like it was worth it. That's a good point though. You have to think about it with the younger kids. I definitely saw... Definitely saw some babies still out there at uh, 11 p.m. So not sure if I would recommend that, but, you know, to each their own. Yeah, exactly. And I saw a couple of parents melting down when the kids were melting down, too. So, you know, par for the course at Disney. Remember, you just can't do everything. So don't put pressure on yourself to do everything. So definitely refer back to episode 27 for those tips. You know, listen to that in concert with this if you're planning to go to the party this year. More, more likely, if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking about going in 2020, which is cool. I'm sure Disney will have announced new things by then, um, which will keep things exciting and keep things fresh. Any final thoughts on the party before we sign out? Uh, the last thing I'll add, and I haven't sung its praises enough, I love the Hocus Pocus <laughs> spectacular. I was skeptical. I'm not a fan of the movie. Like it's the cult classic. I understand. And I was worried it was going to be like too much about like that movie and those characters, but all the other villains in it made it super fun. That was perhaps the highlight maybe the booty you prayed was probably the highlight but close second was hocus pocus oh yeah and the parade definitely uh, should get a shout out it's just one of the best parades i've ever seen and leslie uh, you said this in your trip report but you're not even a parade person and you really appreciated it i totally did it was a very very good parade it was infinitely superior to disneyland's version sorry disneyland all right let's close it out joe with a disney do or don't what you got all right. So this is very specific, but for those of you who it applies to, um, I think it's good to know. If you have a child with an allergy, we talked about how you can get those little tokens that give you the allergy-free candy. One important thing to know is it does not matter how many of those tokens you gather. When you exchange those tokens for the allergy-safe candy, they don't count your tokens and give you the amount of candy that is proportional to the number of tokens you have. You just give them your allergy bag with your tokens in it, and they just give you an allergy bag with allergy-safe candy in it. So if all your kids uh, need these allergy-safe bags, if you want to save time, just go to one trick-or-treat thing, and you can spend your time doing other things. You'll get as much candy as you want. Of course, you can keep exchanging bags, getting new bags, and getting as much candy as possible, but you really only need to go one at a time. Um, so you know, if you want to get a ton of allergy-safe candy, you can do it that way. Great tip, Joe. All right. Well, that closes out the Halloween season. Probably time to celebrate Christmas or something like that. I think I see Christmas decorations going up in town already, which is insane. It's October 14th. You know, thank you so much for listening. If you've been to the Halloween party, especially if you've been to the Halloween party recently, we'd love to hear your tips and your impressions. You can contact us anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at WDW Deciphered on Twitter or on our, or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. 
Find old episodes of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you find podcasts. And thank you so much for listening. Over the next few weeks, we will be talking more and more about our trips and the things we learned that you should be able to take to help you plan your upcoming trips. Other than that, and until then, thank you so much, Leslie, and I will see you at next year's Halloween party. Thanks, Joe.